You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, it's Lisa Cherney. Welcome to the Get Fucking Real show. And here's the question that I want to kick off the show with. If you had to file bankruptcy, would you share that with your clients? (laughs) It's like, fuck no, I wouldn't share that with my clients, right? That's the initial reaction. Well, our guest today, Christine Closure, did just that. And a bunch of other mind-blowing things that would be to some of you, our worst fears. She is someone that has been in my life for about 20 years and our entrepreneurial and mothering and marriage paths have paralleled in many, many ways, has been such a gift to me and it is such a delight to be able to come full circle once again. She and I have been here multiple times to share where we are now in our journey and what we've learned from it. And I'm just super excited to share her with you. She is, since 2004, she has been a renowned author and a publisher, and she's helped over 80,000 entrepreneurs write transformational books. How freaking cool is that? She is creator of the award-winning Get Your Book Done program and the Transformational Author Experience which she's going to share with you the birth of that. And uh, I tell you, it wasn't a a linear birth. (laughs) I would say that her greatest gift is in clarity, like mine, when it comes to helping authors so that they can create a work that is transformational, that has conviction, that taps into their courage, and that transforms lives. What most people don't know about her is that not once, but twice, she imploded a business intentionally and um, has a story so similar to mine. I feel like mine happened almost 10 years later, exactly uh, similar to hers. And I just have always admired her authenticity and her willingness to be vulnerable. Like, honestly, it was one of those things where I would open her emails or I would listen to a recording of something she did And it would just speak to my soul. It would just hit me right where I was at. Like when I was thinking about having kids and worried about being a business owner, that she, you know, got pregnant and shared it. You know, there's just, uh, you know, those people in your life that just you feel like are, they're just tracking a little bit ahead of the path than you are. And you're so grateful. So that is Christine Closer. I cannot wait for you to meet her. So without further ado, 
here's Christine Closer. Christine Closer, I am so excited to be with you here on the Get Fucking Real show. We have such history that just like being across from you, even we're on, we're on video, those of you who don't know, I don't even know if they know this, that all of the podcasts are recorded on video. And of course, our GFR squad members get to see clips and things like that. And so I get to see my guests, which creates uh, for sure a nice connection. So I'm looking at this gorgeous goddess that I have known for 20 years. And welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm so excited to be here. And I can't believe it's been that long. So I'm excited to talk with you today. And everyone is listening. I, I got I just got the chills saying that and I don't think it landed for me until I was doing my guest prep and there was some question that my team asked you and you're like oh I've known her for 20 years she could ask me anything and I was like oh my god I think it was nearly 20 years I think it's oh, okay, like 18 okay. or 19 but <laughs> nearly 20 is pretty darn close nearly 20 is pretty darn close we were both in Southern California at the time and we were both sort of up-and-coming entrepreneurs I think one of the very first teleclass interviews that I did was with you. I remember being super honored that Christine Closer, the founder of New Women Entrepreneurs, was like wanted to interview me. And then I, you know, went on to speak at all your chapters and, you know, did that whole thing. And it was, so I, I have such a visceral like connection to you in terms of like how far we've come, you know, like it creates such a beautiful full circle moment for me anyway. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It's like you were one of the early adopters, I think, of the network for empowering women entrepreneurs. And I mean, what a journey we've both been on. We have. We really, really have. One of the key things, y'all, is that Christine had her daughter just under a year before I had my daughter, Bella. And I remember when I decided to, to have a child, it was very significant because, well, for many reasons, but I was married 10 years already. Um, and I knew that I quote unquote, wasn't ready to have kids for a long time. And it was approaching a long time in my marriage. And I had my business for about eight years and it was just one of those things that I would someday do. And it wasn't until I started to see some examples of, of, of entrepreneurs, like women, like doing the entrepreneur thing and having a kid and you were one of the first. And I remember reaching out to you and being like, Oh my God. You know, can I do this too? And so you were, that was, uh, that was really uh, important for me, I think. Yeah. And I think they're both 14 now and both just started high school. So it's a little bit insane. It is freaking insane. And yeah, yeah. Bella's technically 13 and she's starting high school year early. So which makes them starting high school together. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're in my mind, they're the same age. Although your daughter is so tall. Because she's taller than me. That's a shriveling shrimp because she's now 5'10 and on a good day, I'm 5'9. Yeah. When your kids, yeah. I mean, those listeners know when you have like boys that are like towering over you and you're like wanting to like give them a hug and they have to like bend down and like there's just something, you know, there's something weird that comes on in my psychology when I think about her being taller than me, which she is not yet technically for the record, not taller than me yet, but she, I think she measures weekly because she like cannot wait to say that she's taller than me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, Janet loved it. And then at 5'10", she wants to stop. She's like, I hope that I don't grow any more than, I just want to be taller than you, but I don't want to be taller than 5'10". So I told her you can't be because I can't wear heels that high to still be taller than my own daughter. So 
Well, that's such a great metaphor for life. It's like, like wanting to outdo our parents in some way, but then like after that, like what's next? Like <laughs> there's no other goal. <laughs> right. <know>? Right. <laughs> okay. So I am really excited to have you on the show because I had a front row seat to your journey the last 20 years, as you have had a front row seat to mine. And you know, we have been in this mastermind group that we got to see each other almost every year. Um, and that was like a nice like touch point for us. And, you know, one of the things that, I, that I've always appreciated about you is your authenticity, your transparency, like your, willing, your willingness to share the underbelly. And again, I feel like, you know, that's like trendy now, <laughs> you know, but I think I, I feel like you, um, you were GFRing really early on, girl, you were GFRing and I, and it's so, and you were a leader with the, with the networking group that you had. And I just, I feel like there was so much healing and yet there was so much more that you were, that you, that, that the universe had in store for you to like up your, your, your transparency and authenticity game. Like, I don't even know, 10, 20, hundred fold. So let's go on that journey with you um, so that we can all kind of see that it takes what it takes, you know? Awesome. Let's do it. Let's do it. Woo. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start with that. You owned a yoga studio and you were like, you know, like that, that was huge. Um, that was your, that was your, was that your first business? My first business I opened in 1991, um, I was a personal fitness trainer. It was before I personally discovered yoga, um, but I literally was like in a hot tub one day with some guy who was talking about personal training, and I was already a, an aerobics instructor. Like I started teaching aerobics when we wore spandex tights and thong leotards over the top and <laughs> pink leg warmers and high ponytails. I used to have very long hair, um, and I would jump around on uh, cement with just a thin carpet over it. Like that's when I started in the fitness industry. So wow. a wow. long, long time ago. Yeah. So, that was when I was in college, I think. Like that's what I'm picturing. That's what, where it yeah. was all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually, I went in to join a gym called Spa Lady. I think it was 1984, right after I graduated high school. I'm dating myself, dating both of us. Yeah, um, thank you for that. But, <laughs> but I went in to become uh, like become a member and I walked out with a job teaching aerobics. So it was kind of, you know, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I first started. And then that led me on a path to discovering yoga a few years later. And then yes, opening up uh, one yoga studio and then moving to a bigger location um, in LA. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So what do you want to share with us next? Where do you want to take us? Oh my gosh. Well, maybe I'll share just a little bit about the journey that I went through in going from a very easy, like never had to market my fitness training business kind of experience to working 60 hours a week in brick and mortar. So I can just paint the landscape of yeah. what, what put down the first stones of my path, I would say on my entrepreneurial journey. So how does that sound? Perfect. Awesome. Well, as I mentioned, I was a you know personal fitness trainer and I discovered yoga for myself personally. I just had a boyfriend break up with me. Now, why anyone would do that, I don't know. But he broke up with me, broke my heart, and I was like, I need to do something for me. So I decided I would go discover yoga. 
So I, you know, my, the gym that I already went to happened to have yoga classes as well. So I started going, it was like in LA. So there were probably 150 people in the class together and I really liked yoga. So I went and got myself certified. And I remember I went back in a journal recently, Lisa, you won't believe this. And I read in my journal, like my big dream. Now this was back in like the early nineties, but my biggest dream was to be a yoga studio where Rod Stryker and Steve um, Ross, if you follow yoga at all, they owned a yoga studio called Maha Yoga at 26 and Montana Avenue in Brentwood, California. Well, right on the edge of Santa Monica. That was the biggest dream I had at the time was to become a teacher there. Um, and I did. I became a teacher there. And one of my students, turns out he actually owned an office building right on Wilshire Boulevard in West LA that had a full on like small yoga studio, not to fit maybe six or eight people and a personal training gym in the, in the, like the lower level that was empty. And he invited me to like go in and take over in the space because he wanted yoga and personal training right in his office building. And, you know, I've always been one to just say yes when the universe gives me opportunity and not always with the degree of discretion that I have today, having walked the path I walked on. So I went from working maybe 20 hours a week, you know, making 50 bucks an hour back in the, you know, early 90s in LA, driving around to go to people's homes to work them out, um, to like giving all of that freedom up and stepping into brick and mortar. And I swear there were weeks that I ended up teaching 40 yoga classes between the group classes I taught and the private clients that I had, like my first yoga studio, like Charlie Rose was one of my private clients. When I moved to the second location, I started working privately with people like Reba McIntyre and her uh, co-star Barbara Jean um, on the show Reba. And yeah, they were like, they were a riot. First time I ever heard anyone use the word that smarted um, while I was teaching them yoga. That was Reba was hysterical. Um, but the brick and mortar world was like, it, it suffocated me. It nearly broke me. Um, but as you know, here from the GFR show that it's those moments that nearly break you that change you the most. And in that moment, that's what led me to the path where I met you, Lisa, because I was like, I can't do this brick and mortar thing. I didn't know a single entrepreneur except for one of my clients who had her own business. I had not been exposed to entrepreneurship, nobody in my family, except I had like an uncle who owned a liquor store in Long Island. Um, not quite the kind of entrepreneurship I was into. <laughs> um, you know, so I had no one to turn to and like... I know, like I had been facilitating women's retreats and events a few years already at this time, but having nothing to do with entrepreneurship. I was like, I need women. I need women entrepreneurs. So I went out and I scoured Los Angeles. I'm like, there's got to be something. So I went to every networking group that I could find because I just needed to show up somewhere and get fucking real. I mean, literally, that's what I needed. I'm like, I don't want to show up to a meeting where I got to have a fancy business card and, you know, have my hair looking perfect and a fake smile and tell everyone that business is great when I was hurting and broken inside. Like, I just couldn't do that. And every single women's networking meeting that I could find in Los Angeles, um, it was that. It was like shiny shoes. It felt so inauthentic to me that it was, I would felt worse leaving the meetings than I did walking in. And that was just like a telltale sign that, you know, that was not the place where I was going to get 
um, the inspiration and the connection and the support and the authenticity and the truth telling that I needed. So, I mean, as I decided to do, I'm like, all right, that's it. I know how to facilitate. Like I'm a really good facilitator. I'll start my own group. So I invited a few of my friends who didn't have their own businesses, except one was like sort of an independent travel agent inside of someone else's business. But I was like, let's get together, let's have dinner, and let's just, you know, talk about being an entrepreneur. And they're like, well, that doesn't make sense because I'm not an entrepreneur. I said, I don't care. Will you come anyway and then listen to me talk about the journey of being an entrepreneur? <laughs> so they were good friends and they showed up. They came to this meeting to hear me talk about, you know, this life that I had and being a woman entrepreneur and the kind of support that I, that I needed and the struggles that I was facing. And the amazing thing was at the end of the meeting, I also shared my vision. And I had this vision of giving women entrepreneurs a place where they could come and not have to shine their shoes and not have to press flesh and not have to impress in any way other than who they were with where they were at and what was going on. Like I wanted an authentic space of truth um, and just realness um, because that's what, that's so desperately what I needed. So I had that first meeting and I was like, well, I'm going to be back, you know, first Thursday of May, I'll be here. And I showed up. And only one of those women came back again, the one with the travel agency. The other ones, you know, were like, well, there's really no use in me being there because I don't have a business. But the interesting thing was, is that there were three women I didn't know who walked in the door. And they were like, someone told me that I should come to this meeting. And those five women that were there that night were the roots of what ended up becoming this you know, 500 member network for empowering women entrepreneurs in Los Angeles. And I think you, Lisa, might've come in like 2000. I was a founder. You were I, one of the founding I have, members. I have a visceral, which is so funny because I have this founder special for the GFR squad right now. And I have this visceral, like imprinted on my brain memory. It was the end of the year of the year during holiday time. And you sent out a notice like that the founding special was over and like there was new pricing and something happening in the new year. And it was, there was a limiter. And, and I remember like, seriously, like, like having considerations and like making this really conscious decision and like joining, like it was like, and I remember it being so fucking refreshing that the, the mission of it, it had spiritual in it and like, but it looked serious. And so yeah. So I remember the tagline was, you know, ignite your business and fuel your soul. Yes. That, yes, we did. Uh, yes. I remember that. And so you, you got up to how many chapters did you get up to? I think we got up to four chapters and 500 members. Yeah. And on, that organization saved me. I mean, it really saved me because it gave me that place where I could feel like, A, I wasn't alone. B, I could just be myself. C, where I could just say whatever I needed to say and I never felt like I had to impress or um, you know, just make a certain impression so people would like me and think I was successful or whatever. It's like the container that was set there was a get fucking real container back in whatever, 2000. And um, that was, you know, that was really, I think the impetus for so much of what has happened and certainly some amazing relationships like the one I had with you and, um, you know, Allie Brown came to speak. If you remember yes. that, she was selling a $97 binder. That was the only thing that she had available for Easy sale. And queen. Easy and queen. Easy and yeah. queen. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I, was her... I was conscious marketing. I was conscious marketing. 
Yep. She did one of her speaking engagements at new. Um, and I remember like my assistant coached Lisa Sasevich to help her create her first back of the room offer. Cause she was going to come speak and she had nothing that she had sold for herself. She had sold tons for other people, but not for herself. So uh, she did one of her first speaking gigs for her first iteration of her business there. And it's like, you know, I, it's hard to believe how much amazingness has come out of, you know, me just doing what I felt like I needed to do um, that felt right and authentic for me. I needed to get real. 500 other women needed to get real. And here we are 20 years, almost 20 years later, um, getting even more real. Even more real. And you're doing reunions now for that organization, which yes. is so freaking cool. And I had to miss the recent one or if it's a coming yeah, well, March, oh, yeah. March 4th, because okay. we're on March 4th, we're going to March 4th into our 20th year. In a, oh, it's gonna, cool. It's going to be a one day retreat. So it's going to be pretty awesome. Okay. Well, that's, and for those of you listening, however in long in the future, that's 2019, no, 2020, March. Yes. 2020. <laughs> 2020. We'd like Oh, so Lisa Satcher is one of our other uh, guests, and her um, episode is from $40 million in sales to intentional white space. So she can't, she's come a long way, and now she's, you know, taking some, some space, and she shares about that. And I think Beth Davis, another one of our show guests, um, also was part of um, Network for Empowering Women. And so yeah. Morgana Ray, Lori Morgan Ferrero, I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it was a really great place. <sighs> okay. So what happened next? <laughs> well, what happened next is um, we would hold annual, I don't even probably remember these, but annual, like either December or January, where we would get together and sit in a huge circle and speak our intentions for the coming year. And it was a few years that had gone by and I kept hearing women talk about their intention of becoming a published author but then the year would go by and they'd never do it. And I was one of those women. I had always felt like I had something to share. I grew up in a home environment where I never really felt like my voice mattered um, or it made a difference or it was important. So it's like, I, I wanna, I have something to say. I wanna share my message. Even though I wasn't a thousand percent clear on what I would write, like I knew that I wanted to write. So I took it upon myself to actually put together a little book might look familiar, Lisa. Yes, she's showing the book, y'all. It was my first book and her first book. I was one of the authors in her very first compilation. I don't even know how many you've done now and how many public offers you have, but that was the first one. Another huge investment for me and big choice I made to be. And I remember like where like I was living with my sister in her condo. I just the funniest things that we remember, like we were in transition of homes and I had to make a decision to invest. Um, and being part of that book. And it was huge for me. And the, the people that I met, the women that I met that are also authors, it was huge. So yeah, it was amazing. But I thought that's it. Like I can publish this book and I can help myself finally become a published author. And there were 39 other women, 40 of us in total. And I was like, I'm finally going to just going to do it. I got to check this off my bucket list. So I did it. Got those 39 women. Obviously, Lisa was one of them. I think Morgana Ray is in here as well. And some other names you'd probably recognize. Um, but I was just like, I'm done. But this, this little book here was reviewed in the print edition of Entrepreneur Magazine in the summer of 2005. And as soon as that happened, other women who missed out on the first one were like, what are you doing the next one, Christy? I want to be part of the next one. 
I was like, oh, I didn't think of doing a next one, but I did because I wanted to help them have the same experience that Lisa and I and 38 others had had in this first book. So I did it again. I ended up doing three volumes of that book. But what started happening was women were coming to me and saying, you know, it was such, and I'm sure you'd agree, Lisa, like it's such an empowering experience to write that chapter and to actually see your words in print and become a published author that they were now coming to me and they came to me for two years begging me to help them write their own book. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know how to do that. You know, I'm going to have to go talk to someone else until it was actually at an Allie Brown seminar. Two of my clients, um, Dr. Cindy Brown, who sadly is no longer with us in physical body here on earth and Liz Pabone, both came to me separately, but simultaneously and said, I need you to help me write my own book. And you know those moments where like you hear yourself saying th something before you actually process it? Yes. <laughs> those moments, man. But I said, yes, I'll help you write your own book. And I had no flipping idea. Like writing a little 1,500, 2,000 word chapter is a very different feat than writing a full on, you know, 40, 50,000 word book. So I did what I usually do when I need to think. I went to the spa, the spa here at the Hotel Hershey, which is magnificent. I just went like a couple weeks ago and I'll be there in another week. Um, but that's my thinking space. So I went there and I sat poolside and I just kept asking myself like, what would I do first if I wrote a book? And I would just keep inquiring until I'm like, oh, this would be a really good idea. Or the idea was kind of delivered. And by the end of that day, I had the website, getyourbookdone.com. I had the curriculum, like the outline for the entire training delivered, which is a good thing because I had sold a package to several of the people that were I was in a mastermind with for over $10,000 and they were going to get the book and they were going to get publishing and all the stuff. I was like, I better figure out how to deliver on this. Um, and I figured out how to deliver on it. And one of my clients beat me through the process to writing his own book. But the only way that I could teach this class and, you know, bring these people through the process is if I wrote my own. So I knew when I said yes to helping them get their books done, I had to get my book done, which is when I used that process back in 2007 um, to write a book called The Freedom Formula, How to Put Soul in Your Business and Money in Your Bank. It was a fabulous book. It sold a few thousand copies. Neil Donald Walsh from Conversations with God wrote the foreword for that book for me. Like It was a really good book about building a conscious business. And um, that, was, that was sort of uh, the beginning of an end for me. Yeah. I just, yeah, I was really feeling into the timing of that. And you said 2005. And so you had a, a, a newborn at the same time that all this was. Yeah, actually, if you remember coming to my little apartment down on Venice Boulevard and Marina Del Rey or Mar Vista to get your copies of this book, I couldn't help unload the boxes from the truck because my daughter was like going to be due in eight weeks. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth mentioning too, because for, you know, men have this as well, like they coming a parent in their journey and where they were. And I think it's more enhanced for women. There's a physical, you know, enhancement, if you will, you know, that happens. And then like, and then, you know, being a mom, in addition to being a business owner, um, there's, there's, yeah, there's something very different about that for our journey. And it's worth mentioning that all, while all this is happening, there is like, you know, 
that whole yes. thing happening. Yeah. Yes. And I moved my family 3000 miles away. Cause soon as within two months of Janet being born, just every part of my maternal in- instinct said, get out of LA. Now I had felt more at home in LA, especially in the space of this amazing network for empowering women entrepreneurs than I'd felt anywhere in my life, including with my own family pretty much. And, but my instinct was saying, get get out of here. So we literally, she was born February, 2005. And in May, 2005, we were driving 3000 miles away to move to the East coast. And now you heard me mention Hershey hotel, which is here in Hershey, Pennsylvania, about 45 minutes from where I live. So, you know, I couldn't really keep new entrepreneurs going. So that had fallen to the wayside until our first reunion, I think in 2017, we came back together. Um, but I kept doing the book work. Like that's when I did, I did volume two after I came back and then volume three um, from here in York. And this is where I developed the whole get your book done program. And this is where I released my first book in 2007. My daughter was two years old. And to this day, she still remembers the trucks that delivered the mommy book. We we were like somewhere randomly driving and she just pointed to this truck. She goes, that's the mommy truck. How how do you know that? That's the one that brought your book. I mean, granted, she was like three years old when she was telling me she recognized the mommy truck. But that tells you like what a big deal it was for me to have that first book come out. Um, but as I mentioned, I didn't know then what I know now. Um, and that book was the beginning of an end for me. Okay. So tell us about the beginning of the end, which as we know in the world of GFR is usually the beginning of a, a new beginning. Um, but yeah, let's, let's tell it as the beginning of an end and then we'll, we'll share what happened after that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, what happened is the book did extremely well. As I mentioned, I sold a few thousand copies. I hosted my first big event based on this book. My first time ever speaking in front of a room, I had a hundred people there. It wasn't a huge event. And I sold a half a million dollars worth of coaching programs for people to come into my Freedom Formula Mastermind, where I would help them put soul in their business and money in their bank. And... It all sounds good. Like I remember this moment. I was at a mastermind with the coach I was working with at the time and all of my colleagues. It was my time in front of the room. So this must have been earlier, early 2007, or actually early 2008 after the book was published and my big event was early 2009. So this was like a year of me developing the business from the book. So I'm there in front of my business coach and I am literally in tears, like, I know it looks good. I'm doing this big event. I sold a few thousand copies. Oh, and didn't this coach give you an award too for it? Just to, to add insult to your injury? Yeah. Yes. Oh, this is all coming back to me. <laughs> yes. Yes. A big award that um, really wasn't a legitimate award. Like it was a whole, a whole thing. But anyway. Sorry to bring that up. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> Man, did I learn a lot from that experience. Um, <laughs> But the, the thing was, like, I was sitting in that room with that coach saying, I know it looks great. Like, anyone would want this. And even I thought it was what I wanted. But it doesn't feel right. Like, I just felt this pressure. I'm such immense pressure. And I was coached to do what everyone else did to make money, which was coaching people to make money, which wasn't really what God, goddess, 
put me on this planet to do. And I felt it. I know it, knew it so deep down inside, but I was so far down that path. And I was supported by the coach. Well, as I'm in tears saying, this doesn't feel right. It was like, ah, that's just your fear. That's just your fear. Like, don't let it get in the way. Everything's right. You're doing great. Keep on this path. Like, don't let your fear stop you. And I knew, I knew that it wasn't my fear. I knew that it wasn't right for me, but I am not then who I am now. And I could not stand up to my coach and all of my peers telling me what it was. I just continued along. So I did the event. I practically had a nervous breakdown as we're doing the sound check the night before. Cause I'm like, do you realize like I had literal pressure from my coach put on me to do a half a million dollars of sales. The first time I ever spoke from the platform. So I was like, I was crum crumbling under that pressure, but I also am an amazing speaker. I'm a gifted facilitator. I know how to bring transformation to people. And I did in those three days. And it did lead to a half a million dollars of sales into a program where I was more interested about helping people get the soul, the authenticity, the get fucking realness into their business. But what they all bought was the money in the bank. Yeah. So I would coach them on what they needed to do to get these foundational pieces in place so they could build a business that had longevity and sustainability, which is something I yearned for but didn't feel like I had as I felt like I'd built a house of cards with that half million dollar business. So the credit crunch hit. This was 2009. A lot of my clients were paying me on credit cards and they were like, my line got cut. I can't pay you. I had a couple of $100,000 clients. Like I actually sold a $100,000 coaching package over the phone in 30 minutes. Insane. Um, but that's what my coach said I needed to do. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. Um, and then what happened is the people that bought into the $100,000 package, like even though I told them like, I'm going to be coaching you. This is, these are the results I'm going to deliver. And this is what you have to do. They just figured for $100,000, they owned me. And I would do what I was telling them to do. So I literally put a kibosh on both of those relationships. I had to refund one of those clients like $85,000 because he had just wired it all to me at once. Um, at the same time that all of my like clients on recurring monthly payments were like, I have no credit left to pay you. And a lot of them were new business owners. So they didn't have the revenue coming in yet. And at the same time, I've got my meeting planner who's like, hey, Christine, like I've got such amazing concessions oh. on your contract for your 2010, you know, version of the Freedom Formula experience, you know, and you've got to sign it, but it's like she gave a deadline date and that date came and she's like emailing me and she's calling me. She's like, Christine, she goes, you don't understand. Like we don't get these concessions at hotels, but they want you back. You know, they loved having you and your clients there and you've got, you've got to sign this or, you know, we're going to lose all these amazing concessions with the hotel. And I remember that day, I was like, oh my God, if I sign this agreement with the hotel to do this again, I feel like I was signing my own death certificate. Wow. I, mean, I felt like I was in a prison doing work that wasn't what I was put here to do with people who wanted something other, uh, something different from me than what I feel like I was designed to really give and what I was designed to bring to them. And um, I couldn't sign the contract. 
And I knew full well that not signing that contract meant the end of this whole business I had built around whatever conscious entrepreneurship, spirituality, and business, and this whole business coaching component. And let's see, I made that decision. It was probably June of 20, 2009 that I decided not to, not to sign those papers. And we were filing for bankruptcy by April of 2010. Wow. And for, we were foreclosing on our home. Like that's just, that's where I was at. I could not do the wrong thing and build, build this, you know, million dollar business on top of something that was just breaking me inside. Ah, I am having such a full body experience of what you're sharing because I feel like I lived a par- like I did the parallel, like we lived parallel universes about 10 years apart, right? This hap- I did the same thing in 2014 with my seven figure business and my events. And I didn't, and I think that I prevented a bankruptcy. Like I feel like I was able to pull the plug a little, just a tad bit sooner than you. And so as you're sharing that and signing the contract and like, thank God the universe gave you that sort of sign on the dotted line moment. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. But here, here's the real kicker. Like if you want a real kicker, I was like, but it's okay. Because on the side, I have this publishing thing that I do and the way that I serve authors. And I had a partner that I brought into that business. So through all of this, we kept that alive. And I distinctly, like I had a heart to heart, of course, like I don't know how to have a conversation that isn't just authentic and real. And I said, here's what I'm going through. I said, but here's my commitment. I will file for bankruptcy. I will lose my home. I will do everything that I have to do, but I will not sacrifice our business. And I worked for months. That's why it took from like, I didn't sign the paper in June, but I didn't file until April of um, 2010 because it took that long for me to work with an attorney to make sure that we were like, okay, you know, we can like, we can do this and save and not have to have my publishing company and my book business come into the fold of everything. And we could still sustain. Cause I'm like, I can make money there, you know, support my family. Cause my husband was a stay at home dad. Like I was the breadwinner. Oh yeah. By the way, y'all, oh, yeah, by the way, dad, <laughs> right. So, have a backup income. <laughs> I know. And that's, I think that's, uh, I know that I've done that where you, you hear a woman sharing stuff like this. And you're like, Oh, well you were married and da da da. da. So yeah, let's make sure that's clear. Yeah. I was married and we were a one income household and it was mine. Yeah. So I told my business partner this and I remember like my birthday present to myself in December of 2010, December 2nd to be exact, was actually going in to sign the bankruptcy papers. That like, that tells you what kind of birthday I had in 2010. But to add insult to injury, on December 1st of 2010, my former partner sends a FedEx letter to my door saying that she wanted the business and she offered me a whopping $10,000 for our book business that I had built on my name, my credibility, my programs, my relationships, my marketing expertise, like all of that. And, and it threw the whole bankruptcy out the window because now that business was an asset and it could have been seen as like illegal activity to, you know, get rid of an asset that I had. So, and not to mention, I mean, just the rage. I mean, I, 
I won't even say what I wished on her and her family and how they would die painful, slow um, deaths. <laughs> but like that was like, I was so, I, I don't know that I've ever been so enraged in my entire life because I had spent all of this time and all of this money saving that business. And then my very partner, 20 And that was your lifeline. That was that like, was, that, that was my like lifeline. thing that you had left. You that know? was it. That was my safety net. So she stabs me in the back, which I realized in hindsight was not a stab in the back. It was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, but it felt like a stab in the back. Like I was as low as I could get. And then somehow I dropped another thousand feet down in that moment. Um, and I ended up like we fought back and forth. And um, I was like, well, forget that. Like I'll borrow money from my dad and I'll buy the business from you because this is mine. And I actually ended up letting it go to her because of how she was in that negotiation. I'm like, screw this. I want out. Um, I agreed to her terms, um, but I flipped myself to be the seller and her to be the buyer. So this was, yeah, this was my birthday and Christmas of 2010. And it took us until I think March of 2011 to actually have the sale become complete. Wow. Um, yeah. It so was, that was, yeah, so that was, that was pretty rock bottom. And, oh, yeah. and I, what I love about this show, <laughs> what I love about this show is that many people listening, their worst fear ever, right? Like when they're worried about making a decision, they feel like I need to do this, but I'm afraid, you know, they're living all 12 GFR commandments at once, right? they are worried about bankruptcy, foreclosure, losing their business. Like they're, they're worried about all of those things. So then they get to listen to this episode and go, oh shit, okay. So even if all the bad things that I'm worried actually do happen, people do survive that. There is like an afterlife and there is a rebirth. And you know, it, it, it so thank you for, thank you for, for being a phoenix and rising from the ashes so that this story can be told. And that's, you know, why I was so um, excited to have you on the show because um, I knew that you would, you know, really share it all. And, uh, and of course I'm excited for the, the, the after so they could see kind of the purpose of it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank goodness. I had a, you know, fairly rigorous spiritual practice at the time so I did not deny the rage um, and the anger and the betrayal and everything that I felt and just the, the shame. Oh my God, the shame. Like when I told my parents, I was like shaking because there was just like shame pumping through my veins. Um, I didn't deny myself any of that. But as I was going through this, I spent two hours a day in silence, in prayer, in meditation, in front of my altar, um, allowing myself the space to just quite honestly beg, beg to be shown through all of this. Show me how I am meant to be used. Show me what this is for. Show me how this is going to make a difference in other people's lives because I don't want to walk through this, you know, if there's no benefit, not only to myself, but to the other people that I cross on my path, like just show me. And I, I begged for a, few, for a few months and I was shown this title of an event that I had come up with in 2009 with my business partner. I had this name come up called the Transformational Author Experience. 
But when I shared it with some colleagues in 2009, when I thought we were going to do that for like a telesummit type event, they all shot it down. They're all like, that's the worst name we've ever heard. Like, that's terrible. Like, no one's going to buy that crap. So I didn't, I didn't use it with my business partner. We used another name, the successful author Secrets um, was the name of the telesummit I did in 2009 with my former partner. Um, but here I am, it's early 2011. I need money to put food on the table for my family and find us a place to live because we were on the verge of homelessness. And what I'm getting is in all of that, that focus and meditation and prayer and begging and bargaining was to do this thing called the transformational author experience. And I'm like, fuck no. Like everyone told me that would never work. Like you're, you're, you're telling me to do that when I need a freaking insurance policy right now to put food on the table and keep a roof over my family's home. Like we were contemplating moving into my father-in-law's guest house, right? Like it was, it was not, it was not a pleasant situation at all. And this is the only thing that I'm getting. So I simultaneously, simultaneously, I'm like, what the fuck, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? At the same time, when I just tuned into the vibration of the transformational author experience, everything ah. about it felt like, yes, like this is it. So I didn't listen to any of my colleagues and six and, you know, multiple six and seven and multiple seven figure friends. I listened to my intuition, right? I know that's one of your commandments. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yes, I'm grabbing my commandments, even though I wrote it yes. down. Number seven. Right? Trust yourself. Trust, trust your gut. God. <laughs> number seven. Woohoo! Well, I did that. And within 90 days, I produced this event called the Transformational Author Experience. I literally received my bankruptcy discharge papers within five days of the closing of the final cart close of the sales. I ended up reaching 10, just under 10,000 aspiring authors and made over six figures in the 90 days from me deciding I'm going to listen to my intuition and do this thing to delivering it and seeing it close. And um, wow, it was a game changer for me. And of course, through that process, I had to ask myself, well, what does it mean to be a transformational author, which is where I put the very first step of my process in place, where if I had it, when I did the first iteration of my program in 2007, I never would have written the wrong book. Like I would have known right off the get-go, this is not the book that I should be writing. And it would have been a whole different trajectory, but it wasn't. And good thing because I'm so delighted and excited about where I am now and the clients I get to work with and the transformational work I get to do with authors and all of that, that it's like, thank, thank God and goddess that in that moment at my lowest low, I did trust myself and I did trust my gut. And you know, that was May of 2011. I've since served over 80,000 authors in my trainings um, over the last, whatever, eight years. So it's been a pretty amazing journey. It is an amazing journey. It is an amazing journey. And I, I want to point to um, your transformation quadrant tool was that if there's a link in our show notes is was the, this, the thing that the, the missing thing from your first book that had you write the yes. wrong book. Yes. Do you want to say any more about the essence of that and what was uh, Absolutely. Because there's so much, and there's so much crap out there when it comes to writing a book that when I kind of 
looked at it with new eyes in 2011 from that blank slate. You talked about, you know, that white space that Lisa Sasevich was going through. Um, I was there in 2011. I mean, I had a blank canvas. I could paint anything. And at that point, I had already been doing transformational work um, in retreats, you know, as early as 97. So I had more than a decade of experience in the world of transformation. And I'd been working with authors at that point, you know, 2004, so another seven years with authors. And I'm like, you know, how do I combine all this? And what the hell is a transformational author? I couldn't do anything before I defined that. So I went on Google and I did, <laughs> as we do, of course, you go on Google, anything you need, go on Google. So um, I typed in, you have to put in quotes to get the actual phrase, but I typed in transformational author in quotes. And it was the one and only time in my entire life that I seen Google pretty much come up with nothing, like nothing, nothing related to what I was talking about. So I'm like, okay, there's no reference for me. So what does it mean? Yeah. I remember doing that with conscious marketing, which was like yeah. before the secret and before anything like, yeah. And there was nothing what, reference. What, what is it? I have to create what this is. So I, I'm like, okay, well, how does this, how does this work? And of course, because of the journey I went through, I realized that one of the most important things you've got to look at first before you write a single word of your book is what is the personal trans, the, like the personal transformation that you want for yourself? Who do you want to become through the process of writing a book? Ah. And the three other questions in the quadrant. But if I just asked myself that one question back in 2007, when I started writing the Freedom Formula, the first version, it would have it would have been a different book. Like I would have had clarity that I did, that I needed um, to not go through the journey that I went through. Again, that said, I know it's all divinely perfect, but uh, that was the beginning of the development. So it's you know w that was the first question in the quadrant. And yeah, I've written a whole entire book called The Transformation Quadrant: How to Blueprint Your Book in 15 Minutes or Less, and it teaches you the 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 whole quadrant, all four aspects of it. Um, and it is like, it is the, the foundation piece. If there's one stone you put in place under writing your book in a way that's sustainable, that can help you really grow a transformational business and impact lots of lives with your message, um, like that transformation quadrant is the piece. Um, and it's, it's been a game changer in my business ever. Well, it wasn't called the transformation quadrant in 2011. That was a newer term, but I started teaching the concept in 2011. It was just, you know, in the last couple of years that we gave it a sexier name. Yeah. Right. Well, I think those are, that's the best, that's the, like the GFR commandments didn't like come out. <laughs> they weren't birthed as the GFR commandments. They were birthed as these are the 12 ways that the people that I've been coaching these mission-driven entrepreneurs get in their fucking way. <laughs> that's yeah. what this is. I don't know what it's called or what I'm going to do with it, but that's what, you know, this is. And so the transformation yeah. quadrant really sounds like that as well. And I'm, you know, and right. And it's like, we had to live through these things in order to birth this new thing. And so, Yep. I'm so happy to have you here to share your story, um, to really show that all of the fears that we have could come true and we still could survive and get out the other side and that it could really have a purpose. And, you know, the intention of the show is to, is to keep those mission-driven entrepreneurs going, even when they're in their GFR wormhole and they don't see the purpose and, you know, it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere, like, Christine Closer is here to show y'all that it all, that it does, that it does. It do, and, and not only does it just go on, but quite honestly, you know, I wouldn't wish that horrible experience on anyone, but 
it was one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced in my entire life. I mean, it changed who I am. It took off shackles and chains and restrictions and limitations I had put on myself. Um, Cause even though I was really authentic and really real, there were still those certain things that I, you know, held back. So like the moment, cause there were, once I went public with that, I was going bankrupt, which was like, that was your confession all those years ago. <laughs> that was my confession all those years ago. It was going to become, my story was going to be coming out in um, one of my other anthology series called Pebbles in the Pond. And I was just like, I need to let my list, like I need to share this with my list first before it gets published in the book. And I remember I wrote this whole thing and I had my finger on the send button and I'm like sobbing and trembling thinking if I actually send and people know that I went through this, like my career is over. But I felt like to free myself, I had to. And I'd counted to three, like I was pulling off a Band-Aid and I clicked the send button and I dropped my head on my, ta- on my desk and just sobbed uncontrollably. And by the time I came out of that and I actually looked at the blog post where it had been posted, I think I already had somewhere between five and 10 comments of people who were like, oh my God, Christine, like they were lifting me and praising me for my authenticity and my realness. And the ne- like within a week, I had two friends in the industry send me text messages saying, oh my God, I'm going through the same thing. Nobody knows, um, but can I talk with you? Will you guide me through this? So I was like, I couldn't hide, like I knew for me, I had to get fucking real about it because I couldn't stand that integrity and not just have it be out there. Yeah. I'd rather have people talk shit because I told them shit directly than someone talking behind my back. Like, let me just show you what's here. It's so courage. It's so fucking courageous and such a great example of questioning our fucking thoughts. Right. Yeah. My career will be over. Right. And we, we have these statements that we make, you know, that we just, they, they just feel so fucking true. My career will be over. You know, this person will leave me. I'll never make it, you know, uh, you know, and going against, what, you know, all of our friends, you know, because that same group that told you that that uh, transformational author experience sucked, told me that I shouldn't name the show Get Fucking Real, that I was trying too hard and it was blah, 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 blah. So even going against those things are, are, is so affirming. And so thank you for questioning your thoughts, Christine Closer. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you for going all that, going through all that so that you could um, be here telling this story now to our listeners. And I'm really grateful that you said yes. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I don't get the opportunity to talk about this piece of my journey very often. Um, And it's such a powerful story that every time I share it, people are like, oh my, like they just, they're blown away um, by what they hear. Just how, you know, the before, the during, the after, what's happened. I mean, I was so scared no one would ever pay me another dollar in my life. And I've made millions since then. So it's like, don't, don't limit yourself and know that there's a greater plan at work for you that maybe you can't see, but it's there. Trust it and trust you as we talked about earlier. So Lisa, I am just deeply grateful and for all of you for listening. All right. Thank you so much. I think one of my favorite podcast moments happened on this show when she and I both in unison <laughs> said commandment number seven, trust yourself, trust your gut. Ah. That is such a good one. And gosh, she has some juicy stories to share around that. And of course, the confession question for that one is, what is my intuition telling me? 
If you do not have your copy of the commandments, I don't know what the heck you're waiting for. <laughs> Follow the link in our show notes or go to gfr.life forward slash 12C. Get your copy of the 12 GFR commandments and see which one is speaking to you now. It's not a it's not meant to be a 12-step system, y'all. You don't need to do them all. Just like read them and see which one uh, really touches you. And it could be really the gateway to a huge up-level for you. And perhaps it may even percent prevent some of the struggle that our guests have shared, right? So many of them shared that if they knew some of this wisdom, this GFR wisdom, that maybe they would have made different choices. But of course, we're so happy that they went through what they went through so we could learn from it, right? We want to learn from other people's mistakes instead of our own, whatever possible. That's my life motto. I want to make sure that you know about an awesome tool that Christine is sharing with our listeners, which is her transformation quadrant tool. And she said that this actually was birthed out of her bankruptcy, that she now has the knowledge that if she considered the questions in her quadrant tool before she wrote her first book, she wouldn't have written the wrong book and she wouldn't have gone through what she went through. Well, that's super powerful. So check out the link in our show notes for her transformation quadrant tool. It sounds pretty awesome. And it's a great way to keep in touch with her. Ah, oh, one more thing. I have to share with you what our bonus segment was for our GFR squad, how to face your worst fears and create success. And uh, this isn't just lip service, y'all. She um, gets into like, basically, how did she create that six figures from that time where she was in the midst of her bankruptcy foreclosure and her business, old business partner was, you know, taking her to court. She actually shares how she actually did that, not in a micro opt-in page, what did she, copy did she write, but just what were the big moves that she made to face her fears. So that is a squad only piece of juiciness. So if you haven't joined us over there and you want to be closer to me and hear about my latest GFR moments, oh, just shared a juicy one in there. Um, come on over and join us in the squad. It's only 20 bucks a month or 200 for the year right now won't always be that way gfr.life forward slash squad until next time y'all keep it real